0: this is the emdocs.net podcast with Britt Long and Manny Singh. We bring you high-yield content about what you're seeing every day in the ED. Today on the podcast, we're looking at giant cell arteritis, also known as temporal arteritis. This primarily affects those older than age 50, and it's the most common systemic vasculitis. It affects medium-sized vessels, and occurs due to vascular endothelial injury with lymphocyte proliferation and giant cell formation. This leads to disrupted internal elastic lamina, luminal narrowing, and limitation of blood flow with end-organ ischemia. The aorta and the external carotid arteries are most frequently affected. There is a significant association with polymyalgia rheumatica. Up to about 60% of patients with giant cell arteritis Will be diagnosed with polymyalgia rheumatica. While the disease primarily affects those over the age of 50, the average age of diagnosis has actually increased to around 75 to 80 years of age. The current pooled incidence is around 10 cases per 100,000 people over the age of 50, but this really varies based on the location. The highest rate occurs in Scandinavia where there is an incidence of around 22 per 100,000 persons. This is followed by North and South America and then Europe. Females are more commonly affected than males at a ratio of around 2.5 to 1. Unfortunately, because of the underlying pathophysiology, patients can experience severe complications like vision loss, neuropathies, dementia, and some serious vascular complications. Vision loss can occur in up to 20% of cases, and it's usually irreversible once it occurs. Those serious, faster complications include aortic aneurysm, dissection, and then transient ischemic attack or stroke. There are no diagnostic criteria, but the disease does have some classification criteria. It's characterized by the American College of Rheumatology criteria, with 3 out of 5 criteria required for the diagnosis. These include an age of 50 years or older, new headache, temporal artery abnormality, ESR of 50 millimeters per hour or higher, and an abnormal temporal artery biopsy. Early studies looking at these criteria found sensitivities and specificities of over 91%. There have been several newer criteria that have been proposed with relatively similar components we'll have a table in the show notes depicting these different criteria. Even with these classification criteria, the diagnosis and management are not straightforward. One study found that there was nine weeks between the time of initial symptom onset to the time of diagnosis. Patients can present with fluctuating or transit features, which results in misdiagnosis, and this increases the risk of complications. We're going to divide the rest of the podcast into these standard emergency medicine components like the evaluation and then management, and then we'll dive into some pearls and pitfalls with some questions. Let's talk about the ED presentation. The classic presentation, the one that we all learn about, is headache, fever, and eye pain or vision changes. Women 50 years and older are considered to be at the greatest risk for developing the disease. Many patients with giant cell arteritis will also have a history of polymyalgia rheumatica, which usually presents with proximal muscle group pain and stiffness. About 85% of patients with giant cell arteritis will come in with headache. Other symptoms can include fever, jaw or limb claudication, bulging of the temporal artery, a tender and pulseless temporal artery, weight loss, and then vision changes. For our evaluation, labs do play an important role. These include a CBC, ESR, CRP, renal and liver function, electrolytes, thyroid function, and then also an evaluation for any systemic infection. Headache is a very common presenting symptom of giant cell arteritis, but if that patient presents with a sudden or atypical headache or focal neurologic complaints, then they need appropriate diagnostic imaging, usually with a CT. Let's talk about the management. The key here is having a high index of suspicion and promptly recognizing the possibility of giant cell arteritis. If you suspect the disease, the cornerstone of management is going to be steroids even if the diagnosis is not confirmed with biopsy. Also consult your ophthalmologist and rheumatologist and if that patient has vision changes or you can't ensure specialist follow-up, then the patient will probably need to be admitted. All right, let's look at some pearls and pitfalls. The first one is what history and exam findings are reliable in patients with giant cell arteritis. Patients with giant cell arteritis can present with a wide variety of history and exam findings. You have to think about the patient demographics, signs and symptoms, and exam when we're thinking about the diagnosis of giant cell arteritis. Almost all patients with giant cell arteritis are over the age of 50 years. The peak age range at the time of diagnosis now is around 70 to 80 years. Age greater than 60 years is the most sensitive demographic feature for the diagnosis. Earlier, I had mentioned that female-to-male ratio of 2.5 to 1, but some other studies question this. The key here is to consider the disease in male patients as well. Polymyalgia rheumatica is definitely associated with giant cell arteritis, and it is one of the more specific features for giant cell arteritis. Headache is one of the most common presenting symptoms. However, there are no characteristics of the headache that are diagnostic. A temporal location is not sensitive or specific and you can't use the absence of a localized temporal headache to exclude the diagnosis. Double vision is specific for giant cell arteritis at around 79%. The most specific symptoms include jaw and limb claudication. Both are over 92% specific. However, double vision, jaw claudication, and limb claudication are not sensitive for the diagnosis. All of these are less than 38%. Patients can also present with hearing loss, tinnitus, and vertigo. Constitutional symptoms like fever, fatigue, or weight loss occur anywhere between 30 to 75% of patients. Fever occurs in about half of patients, and in up to 15%, this fever can exceed 39 degrees Celsius. Highly specific exam findings in giant cell arteritis are related to the temporal artery itself. These include thickening. Loss of pulse, and tenderness. All of these have specificities over 83%. However, just like the temporal headaches, tenderness of the temporal artery is not sensitive and you can't use its absence to exclude the diagnosis. We'll have a table in the show notes with some of these history and exam findings. Ultimately, think about giant cell arteritis in patients over the age of 50 with vision changes, new onset headache, Jaw claudication, temporal artery abnormalities, elevated ESR or CRP, and then constitutional symptoms that are not explained. The second pearl is what to think about for vision loss with these patients. Giant cell arteritis is classically associated with complete monocular vision loss. However, other visual disturbances are actually more common than complete vision loss. Patients may also present with binocular symptoms. Overall, patients can present with diplopia, blurred vision, field loss, amaurosis fugax, or complete vision loss. Complete recovery may occur in up to three-quarters of patients with partial vision loss, but this substantially decreases if patients have complete vision loss. The other key when it comes to the visual disturbances associated with giant cell arteritis is to not just focus on giant cell arteritis you need to keep other things on your differential. We'll have a table in the show notes with several of these key conditions. It is also important to recognize that the pain associated with the vision changes in giant cell arteritis is usually non-ocular in nature. It's typically related to the headache, the temporal pain, or the jaw claudication. We classically learn that painful vision loss is a key feature of giant cell arteritis. However, only 7 to 10% of patients with vision loss due to giant cell arthritis actually have pain at the time of vision loss. Let's move on to our next pearl, and this deals with emergent causes of headache in the emergency department. When I ask you to think about that patient with sudden and maximal onset headache, the first thing that typically pops to mind is a subarachnoid hemorrhage. However, we have to keep other things on our differential. Other key conditions include cerebral venous thrombosis, cervical vessel dissection, RCVS, PRESS, ischemic or hemorrhagic stroke, meningitis, acute angle closure glaucoma, and then giant cell arteritis. You need to use your history and exam to determine the need for further testing. Our next pearl deals with the utility of inflammatory markers and when we need to obtain these. The key inflammatory markers associated with this disease are ESR and CRP. However, when we look at the data, these inflammatory markers have varying sensitivities and specificities in the literature based on the threshold that's used. One study found a pretty modest sensitivity of a positive ESR of over 23 or a CRP of over 9 mg per liter. These had sensitivities of over 84%. However, their specificities were all less than 30%. If ESR and CRP are combined using these thresholds, then specificity is 41% and sensitivity is 81%. When you use a lower cutoff for a positive ESR, which is 17 for men and 22 for women, and then CRP with a threshold of 0.5 mg per liter, then the combined sensitivity approaches 99%. Two other studies using a CRP threshold of 0.5 mg per liter found sensitivities ranging between 98.6% and 100%. However, up to 4% of patients with confirmed giant cell arteritis have a normal ESR and CRP. You can look for other markers of inflammation. These include a leukocytosis, a thrombocytosis, and a normal acidic anemia. A platelet count greater than 400,000 is by no means diagnostic, but it's actually more accurate than ESR in the evaluation of giant cell arteritis. While the inflammatory markers are sensitive, they're not specific, and if you've obtained an ESR and CRP, they can't be used to direct a diagnosis of giant cell arteritis alone. Both the 1990 American College of Rheumatology Criteria for Giant Cell Arteritis and the proposed revisions of these criteria use higher thresholds for a positive ESR of 50 and a CRP of over 10. You also need to keep in mind that these inflammatory markers need to be used in conjunction with your history and exam. Let's move on to the key components of our management. The first key component is consulting your ophthalmologist and rheumatologist. Treatment with high-dose steroids should be started as soon as you suspect a diagnosis of giant cell arteritis. Don't wait for the temporal artery biopsy. Any delay in therapy could result in vision loss. For patients with a high suspicion of the disease, vision loss, or involvement of the large vessels like the aorta, then these patients warrant methylprednisolone one gram IV every day for 3 days. These patients also need admission for further evaluation and management with specialty consultation. If the patient has less severe symptoms and no vision loss, then they can be managed with prednisone 60-80 to mg per day. If follow-up within 24 hours with the specialist can be obtained, then the patient may be appropriate for discharge. However, if there's any concern that the patient won't be able to follow-up, then admission is probably warranted. There are some other important vascular complications. These include aortitis with a predilection for the ascending thoracic aorta. The aorta and the first-order branches are affected in 20-80% to of patients with giant cell arteritis. Up to two-thirds of patients with the disease will have evidence of aortitis on imaging at the time of diagnosis. Untreated aortitis is associated with a threefold increased risk of subsequent aortic aneurysm and dissection. Aortic aneurysm occurs in 10 to 20% of patients with the disease and dissection occurs in up to 6%. There's also some literature that suggests giant cell arteritis can increase the risk of TIA and stroke. The rate of stroke can reach 7.5% within the first 4 weeks of diagnosis. We also need to think about the external carotid artery. Patients can present with face swelling and pain, dental pain, throat pain, and then also tongue pain and macroglossia. Our final pearl deals with the definitive diagnosis. Temporal artery biopsy is the classic reference test used for the definitive diagnosis. However, a recent meta-analysis revealed a pooled sensitivity for temporal artery biopsy Of 77%. Temporal artery biopsy is also not something that we're going to be doing in the emergency department. There is a new role for non invasive diagnostic imaging for giant cell arteritis, including temporal artery ultrasound. The most studied ultrasound sign for giant cell arteritis is the halo sign. This is the presence of a hypoechoic halo around the lumen of the inflamed arteries. Other ultrasound abnormalities include stenosis, occlusion, and lack of compressibility. The 2018 European League Against Rheumatism recommends that a suspected diagnosis of large vessel vasculitis be confirmed with either temporal artery biopsy or imaging, including ultrasound. Before you go reaching for ultrasound in that patient where you're concerned about giant cell arteritis, You need to keep in mind that this isn't quite ready for our bedside diagnosis. Let's go over some key take homes. Giant cell arteritis is a medium vessel vasculitis that primarily affects those over the age of 50 years. The most sensitive signs and symptoms include age over 60 years, headache, and temporal artery abnormality. The most specific signs and symptoms include double vision, scalp tenderness, jaw or limb claudication a temporal artery abnormality and a history of polymyalgia rheumatica think about giant cell arteritis in a patient over the age of 50 with change in vision or a temporal artery abnormality also keep in mind that differential for vision changes and severe headache ESR and CRP have high sensitivity but low specificity for diagnosis you may also see leukocytosis thrombocytosis and a normal acidic anemia. If you suspect a disease, begin treatment with high-dose steroids and speak with your ophthalmologist and rheumatologist. Finally, keep in mind all those other vascular complications that can occur in the setting of giant cell arteritis. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Stay safe and healthy, everyone.